Welcome to episode 78 of the Animal Addicts podcast. On today's episode, Casey talks about how artificial intelligence is helping with conservation efforts in Hawaii, and I give some updates on the San Francisco WAG Brigade. We learn about our cool and beautiful marine-dwelling pics for this week, and about our Animal of the Week, who is from one of the most famous sets of islands. Episode 78 of the Animal Addicts podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 78 of the Animal Addicts Podcast. As always, we're your hosts, Allie. And Casey. And today we're going to talk about a whole new assortment of awesome animals. But before we get into that, what have you been up to since last I saw you, Casey? So Friday was my sister's birthday. Oh, happy belated birthday. Yep. So I, we went to Universal Studios. Fun. You yep. have passes still, I take it? Yep. But nice. we're pissed off because oh. we've been looking forward to... um. Super Nintendo World opening, and then did not even know that was a thing. Okay, oh yeah. I'm so excited. Uh, <laughs> then we re- they made the announcement. I think last month, I think they actually announced it that it's going to open the start of 2023, and our passes will be expired by then. Oh, if it's like a one day thing, then <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we're upset about that, but it was funny. Um, on the tram ride, I noticed. Nobody, the driver and nobody else noticed except my sister because I told her about it. But there was a coyote going up the path on, um, by the, one of the houses or something towards no, towards the uh, show cars. Oh, yeah, but we were going a different way first, and then so our driver didn't notice. And then I saw we went on with the tour, and then another coyote showed up at the part where it's the tsunami. Um, <laughs> the what. Water was just not the started... tsunami. You mean the old flash flood, like the Mexico? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the uh, flash That's flood. That's not was... a good spot for it. To I know. Show. He was like, "Oh, what did I do? What did I do?" It's like and then jumps the wall. It's like get everyone out of sight, really. <laughs> oh, no, like we're about to watch a coyote die. <laughs> because it's like, and we were. I was thinking, it's like that's a pretty rough water. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. I mean, he wouldn't die. It would drain. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't drown, but he might yeah. like get hurt. Mm-hmm. And we're like, go jump in the basket. I always want to sit in the wagon. Mm-hmm. Like, go stand in the wagon because it moves. But I like, I just want to ride that when, <laughs> when that's happening. I've always wanted to do that. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Okay, well, that's fun. Yeah, but it wasn't like the other times we go because normally we, earlier in the year we go on like Wednesdays and it's like no lines at all. We had to deal with lines and we realized we're was spoiled. Was it a weekend? No, it was Friday. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But still, I think the longest was like 30 minutes. Oh, that's not bad at yeah. all. Yeah, it's not bad. But I remember there being hour waits when yeah. we go. But we were slowly like used to like going on Jurassic World like three times. Yeah, Jurassic that area a lot of times had like almost no yeah. Line. That was like our longest. But mommy wait. pretty much always had a line. Sometimes it mm-hmm. didn't though, and you're like sweet. Yeah. But anyway, all right. Well, that's exciting. Yes, it was a lot of fun. Good times. Good times. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of going places, well, so many things. <laughs> I went back to work. Yay. Um, happy to be able to go back to work finally to be able to have this under control enough. By the way, 100% no further on a diagnosis or anything. But at least now I'm like able to go back to work. 
which is good and bad. Um, I need money because also disability denied me. And, oh, if you've oh. never dealt with disability, folks, what a fun adventure that is. So they denied me, which they shouldn't have because obviously we filled everything out. So then you, I try to call them for two weeks and you don't even get to wait on hold. You just, they like say like, we've reached the max amount of callers for the day and it hangs up on you. Mm -hmm. So that's fun. So after a while I get my little notice. So I was like, I'll do the online appeal thing, which you get to write like 144 characters of why you're appealing, which I tried to like. Is it one of those ones where it also counts the spaces? So I don't know. I didn't count my characters on that, but I had to erase like so many things. I'm like, why did you deny this if this happened? And I was like, okay, whatever. I'm appealing. Yeah. And then I get a notice and they're like, they'll call you within 10 days of a, of a hearing, which I took as like, they'll call you within 10 days of receiving this letter. But no, it's they're going to call you 10 days before you have a hearing. Mm-hmm. So I call that number and I'm like, okay, so I can't get a hold of anyone there. You don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, so I'm like, no, they're going to call you. I'm like, okay, so when you finally go back to work, unless it's like a permanent thing for most people who are out because like you broke your leg or like whatever, right? Like, for most people who are out, it's like, I'm going to go back to work and you're going to make me basically miss work for a hearing to get money that you should have been giving me this entire time. What are you talking about? And they still haven't called. So I'm going to give it, like, another two weeks and then I'm going to call and be like, what's up? So anyway, that's a nightmare. So two months, technically three months with no pay is what I'm dealing with right now. So um, my, you know, savings are a little, uh, a little slim (laughs) right now so i need the money obviously going back to work but um but i of course don't love it anyway but it's also nice to just be functional again anyway um but on a happier note i went to the animal park a couple times i took my dad once because he was out here for a bit and then i took my friend all the things saw the platypus and it was really cute and then i got a picture which i'm gonna have to post because it's on my actual camera, so I'm going to have to, like, <laughs> upload that and, like, Ooh. do it. Anyway, um, but it's really great, and it's a rhino mid-poop, and it's really <laughs> great. It's just a really great picture, folks. I feel oh like I should gosh. share it just because it's pretty – I'm pretty impressed with mm. it. The timing was pretty great. Um, and a cheetah was up that – anyway, it's a little crazy. Oh, and then I had a day. I sent you the picture of that one when I was on the tram. And I had the entire car to myself. Oh, yeah. That's, that's so funny. Whole car to myself. And I think there were 10 people total on the entire tram. And, like, oh. six of them were one family. <laughs> so, anyway, it was crazy. I'm like, I've never... And then the tram after us was fairly full, and the one before us was fairly full. But I definitely, like, the one before was fairly full, and I like to be the first one to go pick where I want to sit, because I like the ones with the little, like, place to put your stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> So I will wait. So then I went and I was like, I'm going to walk over to the cheetah and wait for that tram to leave and like get a drink. And then I came back and it was still there. And I'm like, dang it. I'm going to go look at these animals. And then finally when it pulled Shouldn't out. Don't you always get that with your pass though? What? Because you get priority boarding. Yeah, but they had already like boarded. They were waiting uh... to fill it in because there was no line at that point. So I was Got like, it. no, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. So then I finally came back over when they left. And then I obviously also did not need to use my priority boarding because there was no line. But anyway, um, but it has come in handy a few times. Anyway, so then, yeah, that was crazy. So it was like the entire car to myself. It was Netsos. Also, I realized, Casey, finally, you, like? you know, I was like, it seems slim out there. Like there's like herds missing. Yeah. There are no wildebeest. Mm-hmm. How did it take me that long to figure out the wildebeest are missing? Where are the wildebeest? Uh, Where are they? Who and uh, who knows? I want them back. I want the wildebeest <laughs> back. And like half the time they don't talk about something. When I took my friend, I was like, those are sable antelope. Those are Patterson's Zealand. <laughs> um, also, Casey always complains that he never gets to see the rhino, the black yeah. rhinos and the bongos. 
So when I went with my friend, the bongos, I could see them. They're in the back, though. They're up against the fence. Where but they, when I went with my dad, be? when I went with my dad, a couple were up front. And then other people on the chair, I'm like, oh, look, they're babies. And I'm like, that is not a roan antelope. You can very clearly tell these are different animals. I don't know what you're smoking. Anyway, um, it was crazy. And the rhinos are almost always out. <laughs> it's great. Anyway, but the craziest thing. Oh, I didn't even say that. So many things happened because there were two different trips. Okay, but it was like crazy things happened each trip. But now the trip for my dad was a while ago because we took a month off. Anyway, um, but my friend and I went. Also, I forget. She's one of the ones who's afraid of birds. So that's great. Oh, the bird person. <laughs> one of them. She's less one. afraid. The other one's more afraid. But she's also afraid. Why? But we approach. Oh, I have a, I'm going to get a picture of that bird, too. Maybe you know what it is. Um. So we're walking down, and I'm just going to call it the heart of Africa. It's not what it's called anymore, but that's what we're calling it, right? And we're walking, and there's this, like, bird, like, kind of intensely looking. And we're like, okay, what's that about? And then um, and then we look, and then there's another bird on the post, kind of like by where, like, the Okapi and stuff are. Mm -hmm. And then we're like, but they're, like, frozen and staring at each other. I'm like, what is happening as we walk up? And then I look down, and there's a rat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> also standing there stock still and i'm like is this like a standoff are they no gonna go way. after this rat and like everyone's holding still because like we're just waiting to see what happens and we're walking up and everyone's totally still and we're just like i don't even know what to do do we pass this mess like what happens oh, so i don't goodness. know if they i don't know if this bird would eat a rat it's this one i've seen this one many times what is this that is a night heron it's a night heron do they eat rats they usually eat fish but yeah, I wouldn't They'll think eat they anything. Eat a, I wouldn't think they really. eat a rat. Anyway, so let's see if I have the picture. I mean, I've seen one eat like a whole chicken. Oh, that's, cooked chicken. That's freaking sketchy. Here's the rat. See, so here they are. Like, I mean, obviously not a really good picture, but there's one with the rat. <laughs> so anyway, so we walk up and we're like, we just don't know what to do. Like, this is so intense. And the one on the post like had attitude. Like that bird was given <laughs> attitude, and we were like, oh my gosh. So we like pass it, and we're like, I don't know, rat. We may have just saved you, and the rat ran off and. <sighs> Anyway, oh my so goodness. it was funny, but so we passed them, and the one bird is just like giving us side eye massively. I'm like, okay, and yeah. she doesn't like birds to begin with, so it wasn't great. But anyway, but speaking of birds, I don't even. Okay, so this video, folks, that I got, I don't know how good this audio is going to be. Um, doesn't even begin to do it justice to the weird noises that we were hearing. So I took my dad. We were, like, over by, like, the cheetah and stuff. We're like, what is that noise? Like, are there kids, like, being crazy? Like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And we walk over. I'm like, oh, my God, those are birds making these noises. Also, quick segue, side trail, whatever. Um, when I took my friend, because this was after I first heard the weird noises, and I was trying to show her the weird noises, and they weren't doing it. Mm-hmm. But then there were other birds. I don't have a picture of that, but they're darker and they're pretty. And they had nests because there are nests all over that area right now. And yeah. they were babies, and we saw them feeding the babies. Oh. And then there was one... When I had gone previously, and I was just, oh, because I had gone on my own one time, and I was just sitting there, and he had a stick, and he was obviously flying up to the nest, but it was a very large stick for this mm. bird, and it was like, you know, like if someone's carrying a pole, and it's a little heavy, and it's kind of like doing that tilting thing, and you're like, whoa, like trying to keep it. Or the that dogs was, that are trying to carry way too big a branch. Yeah, so that's what was happening. So he had it in his beak, and then it's like, it would tilt this way, and then it would tilt this way, and I'm like, are you going to be able to fly up that? But he got it. Anyway, so folks, I present to you the weird freaking bird noises a variety of noises and again this does not do it justice also this is kind of long sorry (laughs) 
blub. <laughs> like that's what I'm making. Possibly just like a call if it's a nesting it's, nesting bird, and I would assume it could be the chicks making a call to be fed. Very much a nesting bird, and I've got a picture. I think this is the bird. I think this is. I don't know, because they're kind of like fuzzy. They have like a fuzzy hair situation happening on top. Yeah, an egret. Yeah, it just. I don't. They just didn't look like egrets to me. Maybe mm -hmm. they were. But anyway, I was. Just, <laughs> we were just like, yeah. what are these noises? I've never heard a bird go blah blah blah. <laughs> like, strangest noise i just i couldn't it was so so odd anyway so adventures at the animal park it was crazy good times i shall have to try and get um yeah i'll have to show you this and see if you think these are egrets but they're anyway yeah so craziest noises by birds and then they were doing other ones too that were also very strange but the blub 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 was like my favorite like blub 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 <laughs> like what the hell anyway so animal park adventures i will see if i remember to post a picture of the rhino poop um also, the most recent time I went, there was supposed to be a little baby bighorn sheep, but of course we couldn't see it. No. Because they tuck real well. Anywho, all right. Well, let's get into the stuff we want to talk about. Yes. So what is your your little uh, story here, Casey? We're talking about AI. Okay. So the title of this article from Fortune is How AI is Helping Protect Biodiversity in Hawaii. Okay, Hawaii is not German, so... <laughs> no, but that's how you actually supposed to pronounce it, although I'm still birthing it. Okay, cool. <laughs> but anyway, so unfortunately, Hawaii is known as the endangered species state because they have several species that are endangered, and it's not very difficult to make them endangered because they're very specialized, and you get non-invasive species there all the time, and they kind of just take over the place. Great. You mean is... invasive species? Yes. Non-native. You said non-invasive. Oh. I'm, anyway. <laughs> I'm mixing words. Yep. But yeah, so that includes insects, but it also includes general animals like we know Burmese pythons over in Florida, a bunch right. of other reptiles. But one of the ones that they're trying to deal with is actually a plant called Himalayan ginger. Okay. Yes, it was brought over back in the 50s as an ornamental plant, and it kind of just takes over the place. It's also a water hog, and it just absorbs large amounts of water, so that prevents it from water getting into the soil, and then it can't feed the other plants like mosses and other bryophytes that help maintain the health of the soil and maintain the humidity of the forest. Oh, wow. Yes, and that can also cause problems with soil erosion, and then debris can end up into the oceans due to the runoff, and then that ruins the, their coral reef system. Oh my gosh. Yes. So sensitive over there. Mm -hmm. So what they're trying to do is working with this AI program, and how they plan on working it is they're not going to replace what people are actually doing because you can't honestly get the AI to do stuff for the actual conservationists get lazier. So what they're basically doing is trying to make data processing more efficient. Okay. So what they're trying to do is take pictures using drones of the canopy of the forest mm -hmm. and then 
They are going to try to train it in order to identify which regions have high density of the Himalayan uh, ginger. ginger. Okay. But the problem is, if you take photos all over the place, it's just all green everywhere. So that's where people have to still step in because then they what they do is with these pictures, they will surround boxes around places that they can identify as ginger. And then that just supply lots and lots of photos like that to the AI. And then it learns how to distinguish the ginger from the native plants that are there. Okay. And how that's going to save time is because normally what you do is you try to find a location and then you get a team to go trek out there, which will take hours or even days to accomplish and then see if there's ginger there and then start an eradication program. Whereas using this AI, what they'll be able to do is find places of higher density and more importance so they can, rather than trekking out to identify whether or not you actually need to start working there, you can just do that beforehand by using this AI program. Okay. So it just makes like identifies the areas they have to go focus on basically faster. Yes. It makes data processing more efficient. And the ultimate goal with this is to further um, train the AI programs to do this with other problems such as invasive animals like deer, pigs, cats, and stuff like that. They brought deer over? I can't remember for Hawaii. That's one species they did list, but I know that is like a problem over on Catalina. Huh. Because there was deer brought over there. Weird. Mm-hmm. Like, rats and stuff travel everywhere because they just jump on ships and stuff. Mm -hmm. And people have pets, so, like, cats and dogs. But, like, Mm -hmm. deer? That's weird. Yep. Anyway. Okay. Well, that's fun. Um, No segue. Sorry, guys. (laughs) I'm trying to figure out, like, Hawaii, California is also a state. Great. Um, So, while we were off for a while, um, which I would have brought up, I was in the same day. Can we just go on this journey that I went on on this day? Which I don't remember what day it was, but obviously, anyway. So first, I'm scrolling through Instagram, and like, oh my gosh, they've added a bunny to the SF Wag Brigade. We have sp- spoken about the Wag Brigade, by the way, before. If you have not heard about it, the San Francisco airport has the Wag Brigade. So they're a bunch of therapy dogs and a pig and now a bunny um, that go around the airport so you can pet them. So like, you know, travel is stressful, so you can calm down, basically. So anyway, so it's a cool thing. Anyway, so I'm scrolling through... <laughs> um twitter not twitter sorry oh gosh twitter anyway instagram and i see a bunny i'm like oh my gosh i just added a bunny to the wag brigade like that's like the newest mm-hmm. member they also apparently do applications because it was like apply to be in the what? wag brigade or whatever <laughs> like so anyway but the bunny is now in it so i was like first thing like joyous right i was like oh my gosh there's a bunny in the wag brigade now keep scrolling we're sad to report that Tristan has passed away. <laughs> and I was like, what? Why this emotional journey of, yay, the Wag Brigade. Oh, my God, so sad. So Tristan is a little Frenchy, and he's uh, paraplegic, so he's a little doggy wheelchair, and he's one of the Wag Brigade members. And then he just, like, like they he's in parades. He's so active. They go hiking. They're at the beach. Like, they just do so much with Tristan. Anyway, so Tristan passed, and then they're just showing, and now they still, because I still follow him, so they keep showing videos of him and stuff, and I'm just like, I'm going to cry. Anyway, so it was a terrible journey of, yeah, buddy, and then Tristan died. So anyway, RIP to little Tristan, and welcome to the bunny. I thought I would do a quick little um, refresh of the WAG Brigade. I was trying to find the, uh, the episode where we've already talked about this, but it was just, it was taking too long. So Alex is the new one. Okay, just to to refresh you all. These are the WAG Brigade members. We have Alex, who's the little bunny. 
and he is a Flemish giant rabbit, which is considered the largest breed of domestic rabbit, and is known for being docile and patient in being handled. Have you ever seen one in person? No. They're huge. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Attributes well studied, um, suited, excuse me, for work on the WAG Brigade. Alex will visit SFO several times each month. Follow Alex on Instagram at Alex, period, I guess dot, the great 100. <laughs> Benga, I remember, was on there before, so I'm not going to talk about Benga. And I know Bombay was, and I know Brixton was. I think Brody was. Pretty sure Brody was. Yeah. George Morky, I don't... I think he was, but I don't remember. So when there's also George Morky, Jagger D. Wagger was definitely on there before. I don't remember the Corgi. There's Leah the Corgi. I don't remember the Corgi. I don't think she was in there. So Leah loves everyone and loves cookies even more. She lives in San Francisco. I hope she lives in San Francisco. She's at the airport. And is probably one of the most well-connected corgis we know in the city. (laughs) She's the founding member of Everyone Loves a Corgi, a San Francisco corgi meetup group that brings together corgis from all over the Bay Area for yappy hours. For yappy hours! Run clubs and meetups. You can follow her adventures on Instagram, corgi.leah, or Everyone Loves a Corgi SF. I'm going to be adding that one, obviously. That's adorable. Lilu, of course, is a little piggy. Talked about Lilu. her before. I think Ollie was on there before. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure Ollie's there. I think Pink was. I remember there being like a cocker. So I think Pink was on there. Prancer, I definitely remember. Toby, I think was. Uh, Tristan is still on there. And then Sugen, how would you say that? Well, a Shih Tzu would be like Zygon. I don't know. Anyway, he's a, he's a bull. Yeah, he was on there before. And I think Wrigley was too. So we have Wrigley, Sigan, whatever, how you pronounce the name, T-Z-I-G-A-N. Tristan is no longer with us. Toby, Prancer, Pink, Ollie, Lilu, Leah the Corgi. I love that they had to put Leah the Corgi. <laughs> that is her <laughs> name. Jagger D. Wagger, George Morky, Brody, Brixton, Bombay, and Benga. And Alex. I thought that one of these, I thought that Brody had a sibling. Could have sworn one of them did. Yeah, one of them did. Oh, it's Prancer. Sorry, that's what it is. It's Prancer and and Brody are together. Oh. They're siblings. I don't know if they're actually siblings, but they live in the same family because they have the same Instagram mm-hmm. handle. So anyway, so those are the um, all of the little ones. I guess just in case you want to follow them. Obviously, there's, hmm, I've written it down before, but I don't remember what it is right now. That's terrible of me, but I think it's at Brigade on Instagram. And then Alex, I already said. Benga, if you want to follow them, is at Bote Benga. Bombay is at Bombay the Lab. Brixton is at Brixton at Large. Brody is at SF Treat Dogs, which is the same for Prancer. George Morky is at George Morky. That's simple enough. Jagger D. Wagger is at Jagger D. Wagger. <laughs> Leo the Quirky said. Lilu is at Lilu underscore SF Pig. Ollie apparently does not have one. Poor Ollie. Oh. Nor does Pink. And Toby is at Toby the SF Doodle. Tristan, you can follow him, but it's really sad now, is at Tristan underscore French Bulldog. I wish they would say how to pronounce this dog's name. Sigan, whatever his name is. Um, he is at Bolo Boy Sigan, T-Z-I-G-A-N. And Wrigley is at Wrigley dot Murphy underscore noodles, N-E-W-D-L-S, D-L-E-S, excuse me. That's the Wag Brigade. They're amazing. Yay, there's a bunny. But sad news because Tristan is no longer with us and it makes me sad. Anyway, but moving on from sad news into probably more sad news. These are probably all endangered. Anyway, 
Who knows? Um, mm. We're going to move on. It is, of course, we didn't even say this is our Pacific Ocean month. Welcome to the Pacific Ocean. That's our ocean, Casey. Yes, That's it where is. we go. That's where we go dip our toes in, go swimming. We're terrible San Diegans. So I don't think. Have you been surfing? I haven't been surfing. I've never. We <laughs> really need to go surfing. At least you've like gone kayaking and stuff, yeah. right? Or paddleboarding. I need to do that anyway. So that brings us to our favorites. I chose it. Yes, you did. And I just was like, Hawaii is in the Pacific Ocean, so <laughs> I decided favorite fish found near Hawaii. There you go. There's my category. So, Casey, take it away. Who did you choose? I chose the spectacled parrotfish. And what are they all about? So, their scientific name is Chlorurus perspicillatus. Try again? Perspicillatus. That was Perspicillat- rough on- Oh, my God. That was rough on both ends. <laughs> Chlorurus perspicillatus. Sure. There we go. <laughs> so... The speckled parrotfish is endemic to the eastern central Hawaiian islands. Like many other parrotfish species, this species lives in lagoons and coral reefs and reaches a maximum size of 60 centimeters and can weigh up to 7 kilograms. Average lifespan for a parrotfish is about 5 to 7 years. Parrotfish get their name due to the parrot-like beak, which is actually made up of fused teeth. Parrotfish are an herbivorous species of fish and use these teeth to scrape algae off of the corals in their habitat as well as rocks. And this species, however, is actually omnivorous as it will also feed on some of the living coral. Oh. (laughs) Because of this way of feeding, they also consume some rock and hard skeleton of the coral. And the parrotfish also have grinding plates located in their throat that are known as pharyngeal teeth. And these teeth grind this rock into a powder and after it goes through the digestive system it is excreted as sand oh yeah i think i've seen these in Mm -hmm. a video or something yep this lifestyle makes parrotfish ecosystem engineers because they help keep the coral reefs healthy by removing the algae that grows on them which would otherwise smother the coral and kill off the reef that'd be bad Mm mm-hmm also makes some major contributors to bioerosion of corals and important producers of sand given they spend much of their time feeding and it's estimated a single large parrotfish can produce nearly a ton of sand each year. <laughs> so if you go to the beach in Hawaii, are you like... You're sitting on parrotfish poop. That's <laughs> lovely. That's nice. Yep. It so also... when they sell those little bottles of nice... Yep. <laughs> Here's your bottle of parrotfish poop. Yeah. It's also probably been gone through the intestine of a uh, sea cucumber. Okay, cool. (laughs) Um, Studies have also found that in the Great Barrier Reef that parrotfish may be important for helping with the recovery of severe coral bleaching. When coral bleaching occurs and the corals dies off, it provides plenty of surface area for mats of algae to grow. Hmm. This result results in a surge in the parrotfish population as there is now an abundance of food for them and when they remove these layers of algae it provides an algal free surface for the coral to recolonize and repair the reef this species is diurnal and at night will rest in crevices in the coral reef when they have gotten situated in their cavern the fish will secrete large volumes of mucus to form a cocoon that surrounds its body as it sleeps at night ew it is suspected that it's this mucus cocoon acts as a defense against predators by masking its scent so predators can't smell it. 
Other scientists think that it may act like a mosquito net to keep parasites off of it while it sleeps. The speckled parrotfish can be found in large range of colors because the color of the fish varies both based on both age and sex. Juveniles are reddish brown, whereas females have the same similar coloration but develop a pale tail spot. And mature males are a vibrant blue-green color along with pink markings along their body. The spectacled parrotfish is actually what is known as a proto- proto- mm-hmm. protogenous hermaphrodite. What is that? This means that all individuals hatch as females, but some individuals later in life will develop into males, which typically happens when they are around 44 to 49 centimeters long. It's so weird. Yep. I just don't know. Nature's so crazy. It's yes. like, well, it's fine. I'm just going to switch it up. Yep. Unlike other species of parrotfish, the spectacled parrotfish is primarily solitary, with the males having larger territories which contain a harem of females. The spectacled parrotfish is currently listed as least concerned by the IUCN Red List. The biggest threat to the species is the fishing industry. The species is heavily fished in the main Hawaiian islands, which makes up about 30% of the species range. It is also suffering from loss due to the loss of its coral reef habitat. But the species is now protected in 70% of its range due to the establishment of marine national monuments that help protect it against fishing. Hmm, okay. Well, they sound pretty cool. Also they kind do. of gross, but... They're cool but and cool. gross. They're cool and gross. There we go. And also beautiful. Beautiful, cool, yeah. and gross at the same time. Yeah. Also, a quick rabbit trail because I forgot before I get into my fish, and I felt like this is very important, and I wish I'd gotten a video of it. Also at the animal park, my favorite secretary bird, Sagittarius serpentarius. Mm-hmm. Uh, was fighting a butterfly. <laughs> oh, God. He's just about to It was the funniest thing. Like, there's that video of the puppy playing with the butterfly. Yeah. No, he was, like, his little, like, head feather things, whatever those are called. I don't remember if we discussed that, because that was, like, our one of our first episodes ever. His, like, little feathers were out. Because you see them stamping on the sticks. Yeah. But he was, like, fluffing out and, like, going after this butterfly. And the butterfly's flying around. He's, like, all over and then going back to it. I'm like, you're fighting with a butterfly right now? And it was and then the butterfly like, went through to oh, the other goodness. place like there's the like fence so he's like trying to get through the fence and I'm like you're finding a butterfly what's happening oh, my anyway I miss it when the butterfly garden was free <laughs> I think it's still free I heard it's so like $15 I went, for admission or something oh I went and it was really weird the guy was very strange because I was trying to find out for you and I was like oh like, I'm here I'll go ask and he's like yeah so it's closed now it like closes it for him. I'm like great so what do you get in line for it or like do you have to get especially he's like you have to get a ticket in advance I'm like great is it free or is it like that so I'm like so is it like the platypus and he was just not helpful I'm like okay you're weird dude I don't know what your issue is you're freaking weird I don't know why you work here anyway um but yeah so that's weird that they're charging 15 bucks but mm-hmm. I, also, I also don't care enough so i'm sorry yeah. anyway but it was hilarious and we were dying laughing and of course as soon as i got my phone out to record it it stopped doing it but i was like you were just fighting a butterfly and this is amazing anyway moving on back to fishies so i chose literally just like typed in like fish near hawaii <laughs> oh my god and this one popped up which is obviously kind of a famous fishy and it's just so pretty and i was like you know what we're gonna do we're gonna do it i chose the moorish idol i probably don't have to say this because i'm sure casey put this in the notes but i'm gonna say it anyway because we know we don't i don't read this ahead of time <laughs> uh this is of course one that is featured in finding nemo so yay good times so here we go their scientific name is zankless Corn is that an N? Yes. Cornutus. Cornutus? Cornutus? 
which one? Cornutus. Cornutus. Zanclus cornutus. I love this. This is one of my favorite ones now. Okay. This species is widely distributed in the Indo-Pacific and is found in tropical regions ranging from East Africa to Hawaii. They are found, I scrolled too far, along the coasts living in coral reefs as well as lagoons. It reaches a maximum length of 24 centimeters long. Don't have my ruler, but I'm pretty sure that's about, it's like almost a foot, right? Is that what it is? A little under. Yeah, but it's close, right? Yeah. Anyway. The Moorish idol feeds primarily on encrusting organisms, meaning, or I'm happy you're explaining that, because <laughs> meaning organisms that grow on the surface of objects of the seafloor. Because I was about to be like, what's an encrusting organism? There we go. Read ahead, Allie. Anyway, this includes things like algae, sponges, and tunicates. Mm-hmm. Okay, that you didn't explain. So, what's a tunicate? <laughs> so, tunicates are actually one of our closest invertebrate relatives. Okay. They kind of look like a sponge, except, um, so basically what they do is they are filter feeders. They suck in water and then squirt it out. And if you ever take them out of the water, they'll actually squirt you. Oh, yep. I'm going to have to look that up. Okay, anyway. Mm-hmm. So and so sponges and tunicates and uses its long mouth to scrape the, these food items off the surface of its environment. It also uses its long jaw to pull invertebrate from, invertebrates probably, from crevices in its coral reef habitat. Some of the distinguishing characteristics of the Moorish idol are an orange saddle patch on its upper jaw. What? And an alternating black and yellow bar, and alternating black and yellow bars on its body. I'm going to have to go look and see if I think that's a saddle patch. That's a weird descriptor. Okay. What is it called? <laughs> okay. Um, it is suspected that these bars act as a form of camouflage to protect it against predators and is known as disruptive coloration. Don't like a ton of things have that? Wouldn't that also be zebras too? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Anyway, um, these bars break up the fish's outline, making it more difficult to identify where one fish begins and where another ends. So basically zebras. These are the zebras of the ocean. Okay, great. There we are. Oh, and you don't want to scroll now. That's fun. Now it's going to move unexpectedly, so this will be fun. Another distinctive feature of this fish is its elongated white... There it goes. (laughs) Uh, Elongated white dorsal fin, which researchers suspect helped to make the fish appear even bigger than it is to deter predators from attacking it. Other species of fish have convergently evolved similar body shape and coloration for protection against predators as well, and people can often get the species mixed up with the Moorish idol. One such example is the banner butterfly fish. I'm going to have to look that up now. There are distinct differences between the two species. The Moorish idol has an orange saddle patch. Okay, I'm looking that up. A saddle patch on its jaw and a black tail fin, while the banner fish has a white beak and yellow tail fin. Real quick, I'm looking it up, y'all. I can't. Okay, let's see. What is this saddle patch? That is weird. I mean, this little yellow guy, is that mm-hmm. what they're talking yeah. about? On the snap, on the upper jaw. How is that... Okay, some people are crazy when they're making names for things. All right, sure, whatever. Anyway, I don't agree, but it's this little, it looks like a little triangly thing over its snout. Anyway, weird choices. Uh, where was I? There we go. Okay, so back to these other fish, the butterfly fish, the banner butterfly fish, and the Moorish idol. So their lifestyles are also quite different, as the banner fish swims higher in the water column and feeds on plankton, while the idol swims closer to the seafloor and feeds on benthic invertebrates. The Moorish idol's body shape often reminds people of the freshwater angelfish in aquariums, but this is once again another example of convergent evolution and is not closely related to either fish. 
The Morishidal is a very unique species and the only living representative of the family Zanclididae. No, Zanclidae. Adding D's. <laughs> and are actually most closely related to surgeon fish, like the blue tang. Aww. Also, Tori. Mm. More Nemo. Um, this species can be found in small schools, but is often found in pairs in the wild because the Moorish idol actually mates for life. Aww. And the males will behave very aggressively toward other males. Because of this behavior, when they are found in schools, they tend primarily to um, contain juveniles. The Moorish idol is currently listed as least concerned by the IUCN Red List. The species' global population is currently stable. The species does not currently have any major threats. Excuse me. But it is collected for the aquarium trade. Um, But it is notorious for being difficult to care for in captivity due to size requirements and having a very special diet that is hard to replicate. Due to this, many aquarists go to other similar-looking species of butterfly fish, such as the schooling bannerfish. So there we go. I'm looking up what a bannerfish, what are those words I just said? Butterfly, bannerfish. Let me tell you folks if this looks like it's similar. What? (laughs) That's not even a fish. I did butterfly, bannerfish. Oh, no, I didn't get the ER. It was banfish. Oh, yeah, that is much closer. Mm. I see. Okay, okay. Anyway, there. Uh, but the Moorish Idol, really cool. But that's a really big fish. <laughs> that would be a nightmare to keep in a tank. Anyway, they're super cool. And there we go. And I don't know why I can't think of his name from Finding Nemo. Gil. Yes, Gil. Thank you. There we are. <laughs> Casey's got my back on this. I've there seen that movie too many times. It's so good, though. Yeah. All right. Well, that, those are our, our, our picks. I'm forgetting how we do anything today, obviously. Oh, my gosh. Um, I think I'm just thrown because I've actually been able to, like, do anything recently. Like, going to the park was exciting. Anyway, um, and then work is, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, I'm excited to be able to go back to work. Let's put it that way. Anyway, so that brings us to our Animal of the Week. And our Animal of the Week this week is... The marine iguana. The marine iguana. Cool stuff. Can't wait to hear about them. Also, they seem slightly terrifying. What? I mean, it's like a dinosaur in the water, kind of. There were no dinosaurs in the water, though. But I mean, like, they just, it's kind of, like, it's not as bad as snake swimming. It's way better than snake swimming. Anyway, tell us about that. All right. So these guys come from the order Squamata, and they are in the family Iguanidae. And their scientific name is Amblerorhynchus cristatus. Sure. <laughs> I'll take it. This species is endemic to the Galapagos and is found on most of the islands. Each of the island's iguanas have its own subspecies with slightly different size morphology as well as color. As their name suggests, they are found on the beaches and rocky shores of these islands. Their lifespan is about 5 to 12 years. And the species is sexually dimorphic. Males get to be about 1.3 meters long, whereas females are about 0.6 meters long. And they can weigh up to 1.5 kilograms. This species is herbivorous, and they feed almost exclusively on algae and seaweed. Oh. As the world's only marine lizard, they have several unique adaptations for their unique lifestyle. 
When the iguana enters the water, their heart rate actually drops by half in order to save energy so they can remain in the water as long as possible to increase the amount of food they are able to obtain per swim. Is that because of temperature or because of exerting energy to swim? Exerting energy. Okay. Temperature is also a factor, though. Okay. They have a very blunt snout compared to other iguana species, which allows them to more efficiently scrape algae off of the rocks while they are underwater. Their tail is also dorsally flattened, somewhat like a crocodile's, and they move very similar to them in a little serpentine-like moving motion. That's okay, because it's not a snake. It's a lizard. It's acceptable. Yep. The marine iguana also has very long, sharp claws that allows them to grip onto rocks, both when they are trying to exit the water, as well as when they are trying to stay on a rock while they're diving and foraging beneath the surface. Because they have to a clinging on to them as they're battling the water currents. That makes sense, yeah. This species also has much darker gray skin compared to other iguana species. This allows them to absorb heat better from the sun in order to combat the decline in temperature that they experience after diving in cold waters around the Galapagos. And due to their rain lifestyle, they get a lot more salt than they need. So it is common to see them sneezing to get rid of some of that excess salt. They sneeze? Yes. And like snot comes out? Yeah. Like salt snot? Yep. So you actually will see little salt crystals on their head and around their nostrils. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I kind of assume sneeze because I think it's just funny to see certain animals sneeze, Mm -hmm. but... Yep. They also have special glands to remove extra salt that they get while eating blood from their... Eating blood? <laughs> they have special glands to remove salt from their blood that they get because of the salt water they swallow while they're eating. There we go. Yeah. Okay. The swimming behavior of this species does change over time as smaller, younger individuals will feed closer to shore, often in small pools during low tide. The larger individual will go out deeper in the ocean and dive during high tide. Despite all these adaptations for the water, the marine iguana is still predominantly terrestrial and only goes out to the ocean to graze on algae-covered rocks. As mentioned earlier, each island has its own subspecies, and one of the most noticeable differences between them is in the male's appearance during mating season. The different subspecies have been found to display different colors during mating season. For example, on Española and Floriana, they turn a bright green and red color. While on Santa Cruz, males become a red and black color, and on Fernandina, they are a dull green and brick red. Hmm, interesting. Also, during mating seasons, males will fight each other for dominance in order to control harems of females to increase the number of females they get to mate with during the season. That also makes them the only known lizard to partake in lecking. I forgot what lecking is. Where males We've talked about it. Males will stand around and display and fight each other off in order to gain access to females. Oh, okay. So that happens like all the time with yeah. so many animals. Okay. I don't know why I was thinking that was a different term. But okay. Anyway, mm-hmm. continue. Mm-hmm. I'm a crazy person. <laughs> Ignore me. After mating, the female will head more inland and dig a burrow in the sand, which she will watch over for a few days while the eggs incubate before returning to the ghosts. But they spend most of their time incubating on their own. It's only for the first about week that they're protected. <laughs> Up to you now. Yep. Nature's going to do what it's going to do. Mm-hmm. The species of marine lifestyle leaves them vulnerable to effects of the El Nino Southern Oscillation, 
which is a climate cycle that impacts the temperature and rainfall of different regions around the world. During the El Nino, warm waters are brought to the Galapagos, which causes a massive die-off of the green and red algae that they rely on and just leaves the brown algae for them to eat, which is very difficult di to digest and possibly toxic. Ooh. And it is not uncommon for there to be massive die-offs during these cycles. That sucks. One unique way that this species has evolved to combat this is that these iguanas literally shrink. Whoa! <laughs> yep. Not just lose body weight, but they physically shrink. Some individuals have been recorded getting up to 20% shorter, and it's suspect that they do this by reabsorbing their bone. Ugh. No. <laughs> yep. And it has been found that those that have shrunken during the El Nino have a significantly higher survival rate than those that don't, because with a smaller body, you need less energy to sustain it. That's crazy. Yes. The marine what if you're just oh. born around that time? Would you just never get big? Or would you get big when the El Nino has passed? Mm. Depends on how if you're able to survive the competition for resources. I guess that's true. If you're smaller, then it'd be a little trickier. Yeah. Mm. It's just a rough yep. it's a rough thing no matter how you look at it. Okay. <laughs> yep. So the marine guana is currently listed as vulnerable by the IUCN Red List. Species also listed under Appendix 2 of CITES. Most serious threat this species faces is invasive predators, including rats, cats, and dogs that go after their eggs and juveniles, but they are all still being put under threat due to climate change. That would definitely affect it. Yep. So they really just eat the underwater algae? They don't eat anything else? When they're younger, they'll eat some small invertebrates on the mainland, but predominantly they it just seems, eat the algae. It seems like it would be beneficial to vary your diet yeah. and have some terrestrial food so you're yeah. not dependent on that. But the thing is, on several of these islands, there are also a species of terrestrial iguanas. Oh. Yeah. Just everybody share. <laughs> that's not how nature works. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. That's nuts. I don't know. That's poor them. Also, just like hearing all you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, what are we do for another one of those? <laughs> anyway, get those in Santa Ana's. The Santa Ana's are all the time. Yeah. Not all the time, but every year. Anyway. All right. Well, that is our marine iguana. And Casey. One of the cool, my favorite lizards. They're pretty cool, honestly. <laughs> that was on the list, and I was like, yeah, let's see that. I'm pretty, mm -hmm. I'm stoked about that one. Um, cause they're just so, you wouldn't expect to see it. I wonder if that video, you know, there's a video of an iguana out in the water and someone finds it, they pick it up on their boat, but there's no land in sight. So I'm like, it has to be a marine iguana, but do they ever swim out that far where they're like no land in sight? I wouldn't think they'd go that far, right? Not that far. Yeah. So they were yeah. like, there's no land. <laughs> so they put him on the boat and he was real tired. Or what, she. Co what color was it? I don't remember. Yeah. It wasn't really bright. I know mm. that, but there, but you saw it like breathing and it was like, you're so far, buddy. Yeah. Anyway, maybe the current took it or something. Who knows? That's possible. Anyway, um, so Casey. Yes, Ali. What is the lizard's favorite song from the Jungle Book? I don't know. I wanna be like you. Ooh, ooh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Talk like you do. <laughs> anyway, all right. Uh, that brings us to our challenge, Casey. And it's yes, it Casey's turn. I don't know what he's got in store. It's probably going to be terrible if you have not listened to us before. Mm. Um, welcome. Also, that's a weird way to enter. But anyway, um, I usually do terrible on these. So yes. it's great. So I expect, I always expect that I'll fail, but like really, I do worse than fail. I usually am in like the 30, 40 percentile. And I expect to be in like the 60, 70 percentile, mm. maybe if I'm lucky. 
if it's not cats, I just don't have a prayer. Yeah. So I'll give you 10 minutes. Okay. Probably won't need it, but that's okay. Yep. So it's a Pacific Ocean quiz. Great. And most of it's animal-based. Okay, but that doesn't help because it could be like crustaceans and stuff and things I don't know a lot about. Very true. Yep, great. He's like, <laughs> you're right. already going to fail. Here we go. All right. So you get 10 minutes. Yeah, let's Are go. Are you ready? As right. bright as I'm going to be, let's do it. All right. True or false, the Pacific Ocean is also the, the largest of all the world's oceans. Uh, True. It's correct. Thank goodness. <laughs> no, it's the Indian Ocean. What is the largest species of pinniped in the Pacific, which is also found along our coast? Um. Oh, Pacific only. Okay, so it's going to be a seal of some kind. Do we have elephant seals along our coast? I, I'm going to say an elephant. Do I have to be specific? I'm saying an elephant seal. Does it have to say a, like a northern or a friggin' Pacific? Yes. Let's just say a... Pacific elephant seal, is that a thing? I'll give, you basically said it before. Northern Pacific, okay. Northern. All right, great. <laughs> what cetacean species partakes in one of the longest migrations along our coast? So many have a huge migration. It's How very is... famous. <laughs> I'm going to say gray whale. Oh, thank God. Okay, I, well, I was like, I don't know if it's a humpback. <laughs> Bonus. Orcas are known to hunt the calves on this migration. Where does this happen most frequently? Um, in the ocean. <laughs> Can that be my answer? No. Um, uh, oh, I did know this at one point. I think it's a little bit north of us, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to say it's. I don't want to say it's like Long Beach. I think it's a little higher. Um. I'm probably going to be wrong no matter what because I'm going to say city and it's going to be the wrong city. So I'll say off of Santa Barbara. That is not correct. Okay. Both the largest bony fish and cartilaginous fish are found in the Pacific Ocean. Name both of these species. Oh, no. Largest cartilaginous fish? And largest bony fish. So would a cartilaginous fish, mm -hmm, those are words I just said, be a shark most likely. So I'm going to say a great white shark. And a bony fish? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of fish, man. There's so many fish out there. I don't know who the biggest one is. Mm, just because we've talked about it before. Don't know if that's real. I'm going to say the Pacific bluefin tuna. Those are incorrect. Okay, great. The great white? Oh, I'm dumb. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. We'll move on. Anyway, we'll come back. Okay. And they're the biggest. I'm like, oh, never mind. In the Eastern Pacific, what ecosystem is seen as the equivalent of the biodiverse coral reefs found in the tropics? Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, that was a lot. So in the Eastern Pacific. Yes, that is us. That's us. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, where? What is seen as the equivalent of coral reefs? As far as biodiversity goes. Yes. Oh, I don't know. Am I supposed to say like a type of thing? Um, I'm going to say it's like a seaweed forest. I don't know what to call that. And I don't know. There's where... a specific name for that. Oh, sh kelp forest? There okay, there we go. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> so mad at me. <laughs> okay. No, it doesn't like you. The kelp forests and tide pools are some of the most iconic and diverse ecosystems on the Pacific coast. Name two keystone species that help 
keep these ecosystems alive. Oh, no. Okay. I want to say that one is the ochre sea star mm -hmm. because we talked about them before. And I feel like the other one is one of the... Which one is it? Is it a seal or is it an otter? I don't remember. I'm gonna probably just be wrong. I'm gonna say it's an otter. I don't know what kind of otter. That's correct. Okay. Think about it, it's the ocean. What kind of otter lives in the ocean? A marine otter. Okay. You had a 50 50 shot. Okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's the wrong one. Really? I'll I'll give it okay, to you. Okay, okay, okay. The largest toothed predator is found in the Pacific Ocean. What is it? Okay, the largest toothed predator. Yes. I should know if an orca is bigger than a great white shark, but I do not know these things. Um, who else would be bigger than those two? Toothed. None of our little baleen... Our little... <laughs> little mm. baleen whales. Um... I really don't know who's bigger. I'm going to say an orca. That is not correct. Damn it. Along with being the largest ocean, the Pacific Ocean also has the deepest part of the ocean. What is it called? Is that the Mariana Trench? There you go. Yay. I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm insulted, but also not really because usually this is so bad. <laughs> Okay, true or false, the Pacific Ocean is home to both of the two largest species of ray. The, we literally talked about one. What is the full name? Giant Pacific Ocean manta ray? Giant Oceanic manta ray. That is one Okay, of them. and then, um, I feel like the other one's going to be another type of manta ray. Uh, it's not going to be like an eagle or one of those. I'm just going to, I don't know what else to say. A manta ray. A king and man manta ray? So, that was a name, but it was a true or false question. Oh, I'm sorry. If they're both in the Pacific wow. Ocean. Wow, <laughs> terrible. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, the giant oceanic manta ray. Where did we talk about them? Were they Atlantic? Well, but the eagle ray. And we talked, but we were just talking about rays. I don't think we were talking about a specific ocean. Oh, no. Four minutes. I'm just going to say true. I'm probably wrong. I'm saying true. It is correct. Okay, great. Bonus, name both of the species. Oh, giant oceanic manta ray. And then I don't know what the other one is. It's some other kind of manta ray. It is. Okay, great. I don't know what to call it because I don't know All right. the other well, king manta ray. I don't know. We'll just move on to no. last. Yeah, just move on. The fastest bunny and card lashes fish are also found in the Pacific Ocean. Name both of them. Oh, no. I want to say one is like a bluefin tuna or something. Tuna are really fast, aren't they? They are. I don't know who else is really fast, dude. Um, have we talked about them before? We have talked about both of these. Oh, Jesus. Oh, the sailfish are pretty fast, right? Indeed they are. I'll say the Indo-Pacific sailfish. And I'm just saying a bluefin tuna because I don't remember what else we talked about. <laughs> I said cartilaginous and bony oh, fish. Cartil oh, oh, oh. Who's? Oh, what shark was that? I don't remember who it was. We talked about a lot of sharks, man. Yes, we have. I like <sighs> sharks. I don't think it was the blue. Who was fast? I will say the thresher shark. That is not correct. Okay. Alrighty. I mean, I did better than usual. Yes, you did. So, 
I need a math because some of these are half correct. <laughs> okay. I'm half right. I think I'm going to do at least 50%, maybe 60 this time. I mean, I'll have a D instead of an F. It's pretty good. You got 75. Oh, look at me. Yeah. Mm. All right. So let's go over them. Yes. First one, Pacific Ocean is the largest ocean. That is true. Largest species of pinnipeds in the Pacific Ocean. That is the northern elephant seal. Okay. That. Asian species partakes in one of the longest migration along our coast. That is the gray whale. And orcas are known to hunt the calves at Monterey Bay. Oh, dang it. Why do, Monterey Bay was not even in my brain, and I don't know why. Obviously, yeah. that should have been. Yep. Ugh, annoying. Okay. Yep. Both the largest cartilages and bony fish are in the Pacific. Whale shark's the largest yeah, cartilaginous. That was dumb. The ocean sunfish is for the bony fish. Really? Mm-hmm. We've talked about a sunfish. Yeah. I don't remember them being the biggest. Okay. In the eastern Pacific, what ecosystem is equivalent to biodiverse coral reefs? This giant kelp forest. And the kelp forests and tide pools are the keystone species that help keep them alive are the ochre sea star for the tide pools and the sea otter for the kelp forest. Oh, sea otter. Okay, yep. yeah, yeah. Duh. I don't know why I said marine otter. Uh. Largest tooth predator is found in the Pacific Ocean. What is it? That is the sperm whale. Oh, that was dumb. <laughs> By the way, orcas are larger than the great white. Yeah, I thought orcas are larger. I'm like, I feel like they're close, but I think an orca is bigger. But I forgot about sperm whale. Okay. Also, like, they're, anyway, their teeth yep. are weird, but okay. <laughs> yeah. And deepest part of the ocean is the Mariana Trench. If you want to be a very specific, the Challenger Deep is the location, the very deepest part. Good times. <laughs> and... Pacific Ocean is home to both species of the largest rays, and that is the giant oceanic manta mm-hmm. and the reef manta. So it was a manta. Right? Yes, it was a manta. Okay. <laughs> Fastest bony fish and cartilaginous fish. You got the L fish correct. Mm-hmm. For the cartilaginous fish is the short fin mako. Dang it. Okay. We really have talked about a lot of sharks. Okay, I'm pretty proud of myself, quite honestly. Yep, you passed. It was... <laughs> it's like you've actually passed yep. for once in your life <laughs> on this podcast. You uh, finally got somewhere. Um, is it because we live right next to it? <laughs> is that why? I don't know. It's pretty great. It's great stuff. Come to yep. San Diego and see the Pacific... You don't have to go to San Diego to see the Pacific Ocean. You can see the Pacific Ocean all over the place. Yep. But, uh, but we're cool, so... Come check us out. Um, not us, but, you know, San Diego. It's pretty great. Anyway, also Monterey. Also really great. Yep. Going to say go there. Check that action out. All right. Well, that does it. That's our first episode back after our, our last weird break. Now, the next break we take will be a normal break in between seasons. Mm-hmm. So we're on track now, folks. So that is our first episode for the Pacific Ocean. Thank you for listening. As always, we are host Allie. And Casey. And we will catch you on the next episode of the Animal Addicts Podcast. <laughs>